so now we yeah. will we will naturally ride into the the episode somehow by uh by making some funny <laughs> joke um <laughs> tf am i right guys <laughs> <laughs> very Pretty funny silly, huh? oh my god that's freaking <laughs> epic oh my so god so poggers cringe. poggers i'm just repeating what everybody that's, else is saying that's what they could say right incredible that's that's still cool right pog listen what's up dog that's current right <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Welcome to the oh. TF Tuesday podcast. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you want to do that again? I think you probably want to. Do that. Yeah, let's take two. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, you do it. I'm assuming you'd be the. Hello, and welcome to the TF Tuesday podcast. Today we're very excited to have our 10th episode, so it's our, we could say our first anniversary. It feels pretty good. It's not an anniversary, um, we haven't been doing it for a year. Yeah, we've barely got three months. <laughs> we've, we've barely gone two months. We're, we're in like the second month. We need this 52 is, I think, episodes. I think this might air in yeah. February, maybe, but we're yeah, recording it, it on in January. Uh, we, we've been doing it since November, yeah. though, technically, so... Oh, okay. Anyways. Yeah, that's true. True. So sh- true. shame on you for using the wrong, the inappropriate word. <laughs> oh, I'm, so- I'm sorry. Please accept my humble apology. Okay. This episode will Thank come you. out in the year of the tiger, though. We do now have those dates ironed out. So. Oh. Oh. What are the? Oh, what are the dates? It's February first is the first day of the lunar new year. Oh, there you go. I didn't. I didn't know that. Year of I wasn't the tiger, paying attention. Baby. All those inner tigers will come out. Oh yeah, absolutely. Excellent. So, uh, we obviously have all the all the usual people here. I'm Kynik. We have Zangi, Kolbara, and Zaleppo. Hey. Uh, Hello. And Hello. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> and um, uh, for the tenth episode, uh, I we thought it would be a fun idea to have uh. Nigo on as a guest. How are you? Hello. Pleased to meet you all. Yes. Yeah. I know. It's I know we've we've talked a lot in text, but it's uh it's fun to be talking in voice for the first time. Yeah. Oh yes, that's that's not an exercise I often do actually. Uh I should do that more often, but usually time zones and also the language barrier can be quite a this would be from doing this more often actually yeah oh yeah i i can imagine uh it i i know that uh the time zones especially are just like especially with europe and uh and me particularly it's like i have to be on either end of my day to be able to talk to anybody (laughs) Um, yes uh that was also a reason why i quite quite stop doing live streams in fact because if i wanted to have an audience for that i had to stay up until maybe 3 or 4 am and oh my that, god that was a bit hard yeah <laughs> yeah i couldn't do that yeah. consistently that's we've been I, th- I think i can speak for altered and myself and say that we've been having that schedule the the 4 am every <laughs> night it's not fun yeah, 
I was uh, curious to, um, obviously, I'm really excited to have you on, Nagel, and uh, I was curious uh, as to what your kind of personal story is in terms of discovering TF and what kind of got you into creating TF art. Oh, that's that's a long story because I'm old cobalt now. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, uh, well, I could say the pretty obvious ones, of course, I guess. Uh, when I was young, maybe five or six years old, uh, of course, I watched the Aladdin cartoon with the Shark TF episode. That that one didn't leave me indifferent. Mm. Uh, but also, in fact, I had some French uh, animated shows because I never saw them again, even in an, in an English. And they had some TFs. Uh, it was something with uh, Ulysses and Odysseus, stuff like that. Oh, there yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. There, there were some good TFs. Like and stuff. Uh, there also, I had some uh, French uh, comics, which, was, which were called Papyrus. Uh, they had TFs and pretty good ones, uh, although the style was extremely, you know, uh, simplistic in the mm -hmm. very French and Belgian uh, comic style. Yeah. But mm -hmm. it was still... Uh, it struck my attention and I started uh, being interested in mostly how it would feel to undergo such a uh, process and also how it, would, how it would feel to be on all fours to have a tail and so on. You know the deal. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> later, think, actually, yeah. when I had the internet, because uh, I had the internet, but quite late uh, in my family, around maybe um, nineteen ninety-eight, I believe, something like that. So back in the days, there were not many websites. Uh, but I had that's found, so yeah, yes, that's the dark age of internet almost. Yep. And yes, yes. <laughs> and it it was taking like you know two minutes just to load the pages, and it was full of crap. <laughs> yeah, dude, my internet was doing exactly. that in two thousand and nine. But yes, oh no, I, I remember actually I had found some uh, some some websites uh, talking about werewolves and so on. Uh, that was a bit weird, but I remember them. And also, uh, I had found art sites such as a transfer, of course, but also back in the days, it was, uh, you know, a lot of artists had personal blogs and, uh, and websites, uh, such as uh, Raptonks, uh, mm -hmm. Griffs, of course. Yes. Yep. Uh, maybe Arania back in the days already as well. But. I was curious. Of course, back in the days, I was not uh, speaking English almost because I had started with learning German first. Uh, so oh, English is like my third language. And, <laughs> of course. Uh, wow. Uh, so back in the days, in fact, I was mostly a, a watcher. I was not doing anything else. And, but rather quickly, uh, I started not finding the TFs I wanted to to, to see. In fact, I'm, it's like the same with fan arts. In fact, uh, I wanted to see stuff which I couldn't find, and eventually it led to just having me pick up the pen and 
start practicing with with heart because I wanted to get the stuff done. Uh, so, but yep. because in fact, since I was not finding the stuff I wanted to see, uh, in my head I was like, I could maybe commission that, but what if nobody ever likes my ideas? So, <laughs> because I I was not finding what I wanted. So, and yeah. also my English was not that good back mm. in the day. Well, I was not very confident with yeah. it. So, I was shy, and I was like, how can I ever contact these? Big artists and they all <laughs> probably are just like uh, you don't know. They, maybe they don't want to be bothered. I don't know. So <laughs> in the end, <laughs> I, yep. I I just picked up the pen and I started drawing because I was like, oh well, I will do it then myself. And that's how yeah, I started. <laughs> I I have to say on Very the language, relatable. yeah, I have to say on the language thing. When I first found your art. Uh, it was admittedly like 2015 or something, but I didn't like the way you typed English. I didn't know you were even French until you like said it somewhere. And I was like, holy shit, like you had like English that was better than people that I had been talking to from my <laughs> own town. Yes. <laughs> I've had that experience. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, uh, for that, I have to thank my uh, high school teacher. Uh, she unfortunately died from cancer, uh, oh. and oh. that's very, very sad. But uh, she, yeah. ha- uh, she was extremely good, and basically in two years, uh, she made me, uh, well, almost not fluent, of course, but I could go to Ireland for two weeks. Uh, you know, in full immersion programs, you know, you're like, you're in family wow. speaking English only, and mm-hmm. in the morning you have uh, intensive uh, English lessons with English teachers, and then in the afternoon you visit the place, but then in the evening you're back in the family, and so you're full full English everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I had only two years of English uh, behind me at this time. Oh my uh, god. Uh, and it went fine. Because the teacher I had was, she was also, well, she was extremely strict. Mm. Uh, she was scary because if you hadn't done your homework, <laughs> I, could, I can tell you she would just, <laughs> she would explode you. But yeah. uh, <laughs> She'd beat the shit out of you. Uh, yes. <laughs> but I, I, ne- was, I never did any homework. Oh no! Yes. <laughs> but it, it, was actu- it was actually worth it because... After after having her for two years, when I then I entered the lycée, which is a uh, the school after uh, college, you know, which is basically high school in, in France, and mm-hmm. basically I didn't learn anything else in English uh, for the three years, which came afterwards, and then I was maybe just you know practicing with uh, listening and learning new words, but I had all the grammar points. Uh, I basically then learned on my own by listening to to videos, watching uh, video games. Because uh, to practice, in fact, I was you know like uh, watching video game for, uh, playing video games in English with English subtitles, so mm-hmm. I could uh, basically <laughs> see what was being said. Yeah. <laughs> because sometimes yeah. the pronunciation it's like the is the worst part for me 
uh, yeah. because sometimes I I hear the words, but I know yeah. what are they saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's it's like yes. that Fire Emblem thing when you were back. It totally ruined it. Not to change the subject, but it can really ruin things. I was just gonna say it's it's fun that you you learned some pronunciations and stuff through video games. I wish that more places would teach like that. Well, in fact, I choose. I uh, uh, yes, I I did the choice. I make the choice to play video games because at least the subtitles were almost exactly the same as the the lines there that were said. With uh, movies, in fact, uh, sometimes the well, very often the subtitles are not exactly the same. They are shorter, and yep. if you don't yeah. already have a good level, you don't notice these. Uh, so it's it maybe makes the things harder to practice with. But of course, you can be a bit more passive. And at least one thing which was good with games mm. such as Mass Effect, which are adventure games, you I could like just stop the i could pause the game and uh, digest the sentences which were just uh said i'm like oh, oh, okay true, they said yeah. that i can continue it's a, it's like reading a book of course but the thing with reading books is that you you know the words but you don't absolutely know how they are supposed to be pronounced <laughs> yeah and that's the thing with uh yeah. also like I know it's a big problem when uh, I was doing like you know scientific uh, uh, talks mm-hmm. because I had uh, uh, I took part in the international uh, congress congresses and you have to make sure that what you're saying is can be understood by other people. Right. <laughs> of yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So you, yeah. I, I had to practice with that a lot. Yeah. A lot of language practice, man. Yeah. Like in my in the native language, it's bad enough when you you've been saying a word wrong your whole life and just no one no one ever corrected you. But that must be a million oh. times harder in a foreign language too. Well, in fact, there that's a thing in France actually. It, it's quite known. We are quite elitist about French, so uh, actually people <laughs> will correct you. I know it's a thing that's <laughs> not so common in other language. Uh, in languages, uh, it's like yes, you get the general meaning of what people wanted to say, so it's it's fine. In French, people will correct you uh, if you don't use the good tense, uh, <laughs> if you don't use the proper words. It's like yes, it's uh, we are like that. <laughs> oh, don't worry, people correct you in English too. Ah, uh, good, because I was yeah. told that it was not that common and. Uh, but yes, in French, it's quite you. It's quite known actually that people will mock the the infamous French accent, uh, but often the people who mock that don't speak a word of English, or they never speak a word. So Weird. that's how yeah. it is. It's funny. I um, I, my French is atrocious, but um, I'm from Canada, and so the French that they teach there is not like French. French. It's Quebecois French, and I can only imagine how that goes over in France. (laughs) Oh, well, uh, it's quite nice to speak with uh, people from Quebec, actually, because it's mostly the accent which is a bit different. Of course, some words change a bit, uh, but that's always amusing. I remember when I was playing World of Warcraft before, uh, in my guild, 
we had uh, one or two people from Quebec, mm. and one had an extremely strong accent. I had to, you know, co- focus to understand what what he was saying. The yeah. other one was completely fine. <laughs> Oh, but yes, funny. I remember that sometimes he would say something. I was like, oh, and I had to take like five seconds, you know, <laughs> to uh, to decode what. <laughs> like, oh yes, <laughs> but sometimes the same happens in, with English. I have to like, okay, <laughs> yeah. I have to rewind the, the, the sentence in my brain to to understand it. You're still impressive to me because I have to do that anyway sometimes, <laughs> even though I already speak English. Yeah. I often think of or wonder um if you if you're proficient in two and now you're going on three languages, do you ever like think multiple language think in multiple languages at once to yourself? Uh or yes. is it always just French? No, actually it happens. Well I we don't say now that I have three languages because, in fact, I have I have basically forgotten all my German lessons. Uh, I remember <laughs> the grammar, but not yeah, the same words. Here. <laughs> uh, actually, I do remember the grammar, but I have forgotten absolutely all the words. That that's my issue. And the thing uh, I try to practice a bit again, but sometimes the the German people are so happy to speak in English with you that they will automatically switch to English when they notice you're not German. <laughs> so when oh, I... Oh, weird. Right, oh. because people in Germany speak a very, very well, uh, a very, very good English. Uh, sometimes, yes, when you travel, when I've been to your reference, that was just that. I was trying to speak German because like, yes, I've, I've learned German. Uh-huh. But it was useless, oh, yeah. and in the end, it was easier to just speak English. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, I do think uh, in uh, French and English sometimes I, I can actually switch between the two when thinking. Depends actually on the what I am working on. I I would say. So, in that way, do you, I would assume that you also write all of the English translations for the card game that you're working on? Yes, I do have uh, friends checking them, of course, because that's the thing, uh, you can write in English, but it has to feel, uh, you know, it has, it has, it has to have a good flow. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, sometimes things don't translate directly. Yes, and also I have the, the hardest part actually is to keep the spirit of the game uh, because of course the base game right now is made in French for the tests and uh, it's it's also faster for me to just uh, make things in in French. I, I'm I'm more sure that the grammar is correct at least. Right. And, right. But yes, the a big part of the game is the universe, of course, the the little kobolds doing. A, a mess in the adventure, and <laughs> I want that to translate in the other versions of the game. Of course, it. I don't want to lose that. Uh, so sometimes I, I might change the text a bit, but it has to remain that uh, a bit light-hearted uh, adventure. Yeah. Uh, with the little kobolds. I think I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's actually very very hard and time-consuming. Uh, but well, I try. I try to do it step by steps. <laughs> yeah. So 
I yeah, I was gonna ask like how is the game going? Because I don't, I have been following it, but I don't think I actually know like what the point, like what the aim is. Yeah, uh, I, I was and you don't to have that. to. Yeah, you don't have to say it yet if you don't want to. But I am oh, very I can't curious. Say actually, well, the the game is going well. Uh, actually, the I don't post much about it. I just keep it mostly from the little Discord server I've made. Uh, because I want to wait to yep. have more finished illustrations, and uh, also yeah, I would like to to make sure the manufacturer I've contacted answers me before uh, going forward. But yes, basically all the rules are done. The, the 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 base of the game is simple. In fact, it's the about little cobbles, of course, who live in a cave with a dragon. But the thing is that uh, actually the dragon has been sleeping for years and the little kobolds are bored uh, because no one ever, no one goes in the cave anymore because the dragon has a reputation of being like a very nasty boss and nobody can kill it. Uh, So (laughs) adventurers basically stopped coming. But the kobolds looted all the former adventurers or what they dropped when they ran away from the cave and one day they find a quest scroll in the pocket of a mage and they're like oh well why not us and so they get out of the <laughs> cave and they go on their they go to their first adventure that's cool that's yeah. really that's cute. fantastic i love that uh basically so yes the little kobolds they uh, go out of the cave to go on their very first adventure. And the base of the game is that, so it's a cooperative deck-building game. So uh, that's a classic type of game, basically. So you start with uh, 10 cards, which are your starting deck. And then you can actually, uh, over the game, you get experience points, and you can buy new cards at the end of each uh, encounter. And so, by buying new cards, or maybe getting extra HPs, or uh, getting more attribute points, you make your kobolds stronger. And basically, you level up your kobolds, and everyone can do so. And the thing with the game is that uh, all the kobolds have different uh, cards. So it's not just, you know, color swapping kobolds, Uh, they all have their class, and uh, their card shops. So basically, if you take the, I would say, maybe the Pyromancer, you can buy a Greater Fireball card. But it's not that same, that name, because, of course, I'm trying to make the Kobold... (laughs) I'm trying to make the game, sorry, as Kobold-themed as possible. So it's like... uh, I like to have... uh, I can say maybe a not so serious fantasy game, mm-hmm. fantasy universe, because mm-hmm. the idea is that the kobolds have a general idea of what they think an adventurer is. <laughs> so right, like what they think a cleric's abilities and like stuff would be, but it would be really koboldy. Yes, and basically they do things, and uh, but like maybe if you know, if you take the kobold paladin. And it's like, oh, and someone asks the paladin, oh, yes, uh, what what deity are you going to sacrifice yourself for? And the paladin is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm 
I just like the armor and he uh <laughs> just think it looks nice. Yes, and uh, like shiny, of course. The shiny is of course. And uh that's that's how it, the game is basically they just go to the zone the the squall has them because yes, the game actually it's not uh a pre-made adventure. Uh in fact, the, the game is constru- is built like that. You have zones such as maybe the mushroom cave or the very shiny lake and uh, <laughs> what what the players do actually is they choose the zone they want to go in and then they mix the they shuffle cards from that zone so, so and at, of course you had a boss card at the end but it's a boss from that zone so in fact it will make a sh- a short a short story which is fully randomized but it stays in the same zone, so it naturally builds up a tiny story, in fact. Cool. So you, you never know which uh, enemies or traps you will find, but it stays in the same zone. So uh, it actually feels like an actual adventure, and, but you don't need a game master or someone telling you or preparing the adventure beforehand. You just pick the cards, you shuffle them, you had the boss at the end, and you're ready. And you can have a new adventure. And the idea is that, actually, I have put a lot of work in uh, giving the game a lot of replay value. Because even if you keep the same cobalt, even if you keep the same zone, you won't have the same cards in your shop, and you won't have the same cards in the encounter. And mm-hmm. even if the same cards pop up, they won't be in the same order. And maybe you play in a higher difficulty, so you will get modifying cards, uh, which are the danger cards. And so you will, you won't have the same game twice. That uh, sounds I'm fantastic. I'm surprised that hasn't been taken. I personally am looking forward to playing it, just because I like I like new experiences with games and stuff, and I I study games and everything. So, and if it's you know something made by somebody, I am. I follow and somebody that is making something that I'm interested in, like a kobold game, then yeah, definitely I'm going to have a, a play. Uh, I'm glad then. Well, so far the the, the play tests have been going pretty well. I, I've, oh, good. I'm uh, maybe around uh, 130 play tests now. Oh, wow. Uh, oh my. Uh, That's expensive. Uh, yes. This, this kind of games needs to be uh, tested uh, over and yes. over. Because of yes. course, there are the rules, but there's also the game, the balance of the game, uh, mm. yeah, yeah, which is from, important. I know from playing Magic: The Gathering, like you can have two cards that are fine by themselves, but combined, they can create an effect that can ruin the game. You have to see yes. how all the cards interact and make sure there's nothing broken that would like make the game way easy or messed up. Yes, exactly, and. Uh, this can actually at first you're like oh but well it's a cooperative game so if some cobalts are a bit broken it's okay because you're just playing against the, the table basically you're, you're playing against against the game it's, it's full PvE there's no competitions uh, the cobalts are never put against each other it's a genuine uh, co- cooperati- cooperation see but, I really like that I, I'm a fan of co-op games. There's not enough of them. 
Yes, and I do love co-op games as well myself, so that's why I wanted to make one. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. I st I still pay attention to the to the balance, so you don't feel like oh yes, this cobalt is just OP. I'm gonna pick him uh, all the time. Uh, and if you pick this card and this card, the game just becomes too easy, uh, and you just roll your face over the rest of the game. That's not fun. I have one more question about the card game, and then I I would. I hope we can like move on to to other stuff because even though this card game is fantastic, I don't want to like fill of the whole course. episode with it. Uh, but uh, have you anywhere in the game put any sort of transformation, or is this purely just getting away from that? Actually, there there are transformations. Well, I can say that of course the there is actually the tenth playable kobold is an alchemist and. He might have one or two TF potions. There we go. There we go. <laughs> that's that's the for later content in the game. Yes, uh, yes. That's there might a... there might be some encounters with werewolves or werebears, but uh, werebears. Sorry, uh, but that's not decided yet. On on games and stuff, I have followed your art for a long time and I might have been right at the beginning was a very heavy lurker of your stuff and found like some of the oldest stuff you have done is uh, all like Mass Effect related. Um, I, I was always curious as to like how that affected you when you played it and why you ended up doing so much art of it at the beginning, um, aside from the obvious, like, the aliens in that game look amazing, and I definitely want to turn into one. Well, actually, the, I must say, back in the days, uh, I had never been a very huge player uh, in the way that, you know, there are people who just play all the games which exist. Uh, myself, I always was more focused on one type of game or one game at a time so of course it means I missed a lot of games uh, especially the Nintendo ones because I actually never had uh, many Nintendo consoles uh, I had when I was younger I had the PlayStation 1 but then I had the Xbox and I naturally moved to the Xbox 360 because I was playing Halo. I was liking the Halo games, but uh, I was also playing Guitar Hero. <laughs> that was... I still love that game. <laughs> but yes, some... oh, yeah. one day I just found a trailer for the first Mass Effect game and was like, oh, that, that looks interesting. And I just randomly bought the first game uh it was on sales basically it was uh it was not brand new because the i remember i bought it uh used in fact yes that's the word i bought it used and uh i must say even if the first game has its flaws uh, such as maybe the combat system was a bit uh, is a bit rusty now it's a bit a bit clunky the the game is is fairly short on its own the main story but yeah the atmosphere was something i never had before 
uh, I mean the, the first time you arrive on the Citadel and you just walk in the Presidium uh, that's, that was something it, it just well I think I will remember that forever and the first I time remember, I completed uh... the game I, the first time I completed the game, uh, when you meet Virgil on the uh, on Ilos, and you come back to the citadel, and uh, you have the final fight and the final cutscene, uh, that was amazing. I remember I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> that that's probably one of my most uh, <laughs> impressive uh, video game experience I ever had." Of course, I cannot compare uh, to many other games because I haven't played uh, many many other video games but yes this one in particular just hit me right in the guts and it didn't leave me indifferent <laughs> at all and of course I was very fond of the aliens I was liking the universe uh, which was proposed in fact the, the first Mass Effect uh, was very different from the second, the second one and the third one. Yes. Uh, in terms of atmosphere, <laughs> it had this uh, retro SF vibe to it. Yeah. And you can just see, you can notice that just by the look of the armors of the the players and the the NPCs as well. Like in Mass Effect, they all have these very tight outfits, and just you jump into Mass Effect 2 and they all have heavy armors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's very obvious when once you've noticed it. Yeah. And yes, of course, the second game and the third game were much darker. It was also filled with this Cerberus crap. But the first game didn't have that. It was a whole, a whole new other level of atmosphere. And that was great. I uh, really was... I could just walk for maybe half an hour in the Presidium and taking the elevator just to walk there, just to be there. And that was amazing. And of course, I was in love with Garrus. <laughs> he was yeah, my first video God. game crush. I mean, uh, <laughs> right. uh, yes. I mean uh, it's core. That is the correct answer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and actually, I, do, I, I was enjoying the, the romance between Garrus and, and uh, Shepard. And it was not allowed in the first game. In the first game, you couldn't romance Garrus because mm. the developers were like, well, nobody cares about Garrus, of course. It just We put him there for the just because we need the alien crewmate. And same for Tali, yeah. basically. And in the end, they were two, the two most popular ones along with, well, there was the Lyara, of course. Uh, Lyara to Sony. Uh... But yes, I, I wanted Garrus, and that's why, in fact, uh, you are going to say, yes, but what's the, what the hell is he talking about? Because we are, we are in a TF podcast. <laughs> and I was like, uh, in fact, back in the days, I was not drawing TF because I was not sure my art level was good enough to, to do it justice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was absolutely into TF. I was looking daily for new TFs on different websites. I was still a watcher, but Mass Effect is the thing that uh, got me into. Yes, I want to practice to draw the things I like, 
And that's why actually the first years of art I because I, I started drawing in the 2009, in fact. And I started practicing with Mass Effect. And I only drew my first TF, which was actually a Turian TF. Mm -hmm. uh, I did that, if I remember, it was maybe 2011 or 12, I don't remember. But uh, I waited actually to practice a bit anatomy and things like that before drawing my first TF. And uh, I actually drew a lot of Mass Effect because that was maybe back in the days the the thing that was inspiring me the most, and of course I was really informed of the Turians, <laughs> and I was enjoying the <laughs> the meaning of the... That Turian anatomy. Yes, and I was really enjoying <laughs> the idea of the romance between a human and an alien, and of course yeah. it can be linked to any kind of uh, anthro and human relationship you can imagine in the furry fandom. It's it's the same kind of universe you can build with the the problems in Catley too. Uh, so uh, yes, I was really into that. Yeah. So that's why I, back back in the days I was doing Mass Effect. Yeah, I remember that um the first Mass Effect TFs that I saw were from from you, and as someone who is also very much massive massive fan of Mass Effect and also has a massive crush on Garrus. It was everything that I had been looking for. Um, you know, the, there was just such a dearth of Turian TFs in particular, and um, seeing your stuff at the time really, like, filled that niche, um, which I thought was really nice. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really cool to hear that that was kind of part of what got you into drawing TF in terms of, you know, like, wanting to really like finally make that jump and and practice with something that you know didn't really have a lot of content honestly at the time at least from a, a tf perspective yeah in fact uh well i can i think i can say quite safely that i was the first to do Turian tf probably but yes that actually was part of what i was saying earlier that I couldn't find any Turian TF, and even back in the days, like uh, even good uh, Turian Rule 34 was a bit rare, and mm -hmm. uh, I was like, well, I will do, I will do it myself because I cannot find them, and I was like, yes, but there are like no official naked Turian art because there were uh, there yes. were like one concept art, so that was a bit short, yeah. <laughs> and Damn. I was like, yes, but if nobody likes Turians and nobody draws even Turian uh, art, how can I go and ask for Turian TF, you know? I was like, well, yeah. I will <laughs> I will do it myself. And that's, yeah, that's why... There's no I... other option. Yeah. That, yes. That's the thing. I didn't even know what they were until I saw your art of them. And I was like, wow, these are cool. Oh, wow. Uh, and then I found out they were from a video game. And, yeah. you know, it, took, it, it actually took me a lot of uh, courage to post it back in the days that TF. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I was like, what will people think? And because not only it was uh, Turian TF, but it was a FTM Turian TF. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I've seen that. It's fantastic. Yeah. That's old. I should redo it, actually, like for special yeah, anniversary for TF. <laughs> that would be but, cool. Yeah, that, that would be awesome yeah. to see. Well, I would be very into that. Yeah. But, Did you yes, struggle? It's, uh, 
Yeah. Did did you struggle at all when you were trying to come up with the like design for you know the nude Turians? Because I, I've never almost every single person I've seen who does draw Turians, be it in TF or otherwise, draws them a little bit differently for the exact same reason you mentioned, being there's no like official art. Yes, actually the I remember back in the days well I was doing all the stuff traditionally. I cannot exactly say how long each picture was taking. But I remember it there was a lot of erasing and restarting. And Yes. From what so I remember because it was ten years ago now, but the I remember I was looking at a lot of concept arts, of course, and also how all the people were interpreting the Toyan body. And I made my own in the end. Uh, but I was trying to stay close to the original concept art. I was mm. not uh, trying to get too far away from it because I wanted to stay. Yes, I wanted to keep it close from the from the in-game models. Yeah. Uh, to especially the the crab pass the the shell they have. Uh, yeah, I wanted to keep that. But yeah, yeah I I've been looking at how other artists were imagining them. So basically, I made a mix between all of this. As I yeah, I pretty much I probably have I don't know hundreds of Turian pictures saved in my res my resource folder. Oh yeah, uh, which I've gathered over the years. I'm guilty of that too, so I completely feel that. <laughs> but yeah, I I actually to me uh, to look at reference uh, is a big part of my my art process. In fact, I can spend maybe an hour sometimes to just gather references, just to get a feeling out. Maybe I don't know. You you have to draw a fantasy tavern. Well, I will get maybe thirty, forty reference pictures uh, of fantasy taverns to get an idea of what each maybe it can look. I just will not draw things from my head ever. Basically, mm -hmm. it's, uh, I just like gathering refs, and sometimes I won't even use them, but I I have them. <laughs> Yeah. How do you go about, um, you know, finding reference pictures for the more kind of fictional species? Like, for example, uh, you know, you do lots of great dragon and kobold TFs, but obviously there's no like real life reference pictures for those. Do you just reference drawn pictures or do you like look for like real world equivalents in like, you know, lizard positions or things like that? Yeah, actually, I do like... I do a mix of both, in fact. Uh, usually what I do, I always start with real-life models mm. uh, because the problem with uh, looking at uh, pictures and art is that you are looking at uh, people who already uh, translated real-life models into their own interpretation of art. And if right. you do that again, you are interpreting an interpretation, so you mm. might start uh, stepping away from the real life model so what i do often is that i do la i do watch uh references of uh, animals such as dogs and uh, animals 
to look at how the muscles are supposed to be at, to to look, especially for the shoulders and also the back, and the general position they can have. And of course, I I have a folder of references with like dragon wings and how people and artists have designed them over the years. Mm-hmm. So I can, yeah, I can, I can maybe average that and say, okay, so basically, the wings would look like that. They would attach there. They would, uh, they can fold this way, and that's how uh, I do it. I also have a little dragon sculpture somewhere, which I'm sometimes use. Oh, nice. because I actually, oh man, yeah, that would that's help awesome. a lot. Uh, and because sometimes it it has helped a bit with the, you know when you have to draw the wings in perspective because mm. that can be hard. And yeah. I don't even try. But I guess yeah. nowadays you could just do that with a 3D model if you have a good 3D model and a model viewer. You could just like you know pose the the dragon in the position that is close to what you are drawing and you are like, okay, the wings would be like that, huh? Yeah. I remember... And um, it, w- the... it, it Sorry, would save a lot of time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, I remember that there was a dragon manip that I did that was uh, based off a picture that you did. And I remember at one point I was really confused about the wings and I literally found someone who did like a 3D model turnaround video of like wings and that was what i needed to go to because i was like i have no idea how these are supposed to look or work you know <laughs> yes the so yeah. often and that's sometimes you you can notice in fact and but the problem is if you start noticing that you will only notice you you will notice it all the time yeah. often people will cheat with the wings like mm-hmm. they, they can draw the the front wings the one which is the closest to the viewer they draw that one that one very well but the back wing the one which is uh, like uh, behind the dragon that's yeah. completely messed up <laughs> hey that's what i do <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes people are like oh yes but uh, nobody will notice anyways <laughs> and uh sometimes when i look at references and like yes oh oh well <laughs> uh because i do that's what i do in fact when i la- i look at uh, arts i try to deconstruct the pictures a lot mm. to understand oh yes okay so they drew that muscle in that way did that this muscle and uh, of course sometimes you notice that people went a bit quick over the heart but it still works um, it's it's but- very it, it's surreal hearing you say that because i do that with your art uh-huh. uh, i use i use your art for, for so studies you notice, a lot. Same. so you notice all <laughs> the mistakes i guess but i mean to me it's just like oh that's just a little thing like you're doing a bunch of other things correctly yeah, i think it's quite impressive i mean just you know going back to that that piece i mentioned when i was doing that adaptation i really grew an appreciation for how well you do the anatomy so i i think you do a very good job it's honestly. very con- it's very consistent too like you keep it solid every picture however no matter how good no matter how good any of us get we're always gonna think ah oh, this sucks yes i'm a bad artist yeah. there's so many mistakes here exactly i think one of my favorite things about your art nigo is the fact that uh your the clothing that you draw 
is really real it's like it feels realistic to look at i don't know there's a lot of people draw clothing and it always looks either kind of flat or not or like gravity doesn't work properly on the clothing but the way you draw it is just so nice every time and uh i always have compliments for it whenever i see you draw a new uh a new item of clothing yeah especially considering it's clothing on non-human anatomy you know Oh yes, well I that for that uh, yes I've practiced a lot with the clothing because well may, maybe that was due to me drawing a lot of Mass Effect OCs because I was drawing back in the days uh, a lot of the commissions I was doing were like Mass Effect and it was a lot of Turian OCs and I was enjoying giving them fancy clothes and of course I had to adapt the clothes to the Turian anatomy. So maybe it helped in a yeah. way uh, to to understand how the the folds and the cloth work. But yes, once again, I have a lot of pictures of just cloth and uh, people wearing fancy or crazy cloth uh, on my computer. <laughs> my my resource folder is just full of full of mess. Uh, About 68 gigabytes of clothing. No, no, I have maybe... <laughs> let me check. The size of the folder. Uh, oh, it's almost 2 gigabytes. Nice. Of, oh, okay. Of, <laughs> That's of, still uh, a lot. Of references. But yes, I have like uh, logos, I have Gryphons, I have uh, lots of video games, uh, pictures and fan arts, which I save. Uh, a lot of background and concept arts for environments, a lot of fantasy and throw heart, a lot of... Uh, also, I tend to save the tutorials when I find them. I, I do enjoy uh, seeing how people, you know, sometimes I don't use all of the tutorials I save, of course, but I like seeing uh, the others' processes. But maybe that's because uh, of my uh, scientific studies. Of, uh, I like to to see how the others do their process, so I can like okay, well, I can take this part and this part to improve my own process. I remember that's how I that's how I learned to color and shade digitally. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I typed just how do I color art into Google, and just somebody made a tutorial and I followed it. You know, uh, I'm I'm really grateful that people do stuff like that. Yes, it's always good to experiment with new techniques and until you find your own. Uh, I know I keep trying new things myself because often I just reach the limits of my current process and like I would like to improve this or this and then I try to take a few steps back and rethink the way I do this, this coloring step or this kind of shadings and then I try to Look at references or or tutorials to understand better how to, to do night scenes, for example. Because for for many years I was never satisfied with uh, how how I was drawing and especially coloring night scenes. It took me a while to be satisfied with night scenes. I know this is a a hard right turn here, um, but. Uh, you talked about uh, drawing like uh, physically a lot when you like started, uh, and 
as I watched your art, you eventually got a tablet and switched to digital, um, yep. which is the same thing that I did. And I was wondering if you had a similar experience to me where you felt kind of like you had to relearn how to draw when you switched to digital drawing. Well, actually, the it was smoother than I thought. Uh, of course, there was a lot of relearning, but it it was not as hard as I feared. The only thing I actually regret is that I didn't switch earlier. <laughs> because... Uh, <laughs> Interesting. Undoing is such a convenient feature. I don't know if that's what you were going to say, but... Oh, no. Actually, my... My favorite, uh, my favorite tool in the digital art is not so much undoing that free transform. That's, oh yeah! Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, I I would say that <laughs> undoing is great, but to just be able to move that hand like two millimeters, two millimeters uh, on the left because it was uh, making the, and you don't have to redraw the whole hand, it it is priceless. Actually, that's that saves me so much time. You're like, oh yes, I do yeah. like this hand. Oh, but it's a bit too far on the left. It it would look so much better if it was just <laughs> moved a bit. And when you're doing traditional art, you redraw the hand, and of course, it will never look as good as before. Yes, <laughs> sadness. So uh, yeah, yeah. For this, the free transformation. Uh, tool and lasso lasso selection and you can just move around the sketch and that's that's so convenient i i would never go back to traditional art for illustration just mostly for that reason but there are actually many reasons as to why and i took so long to practice with the digital art uh but because in fact back in the days uh Many people actually convinced me that what was making me as an artist was the fact I was using ProMarker. Interesting. Uh, it, yeah. It, it can look, it can sound silly, but actually, many people uh, were like, "Oh yes, but you are you, you are ego, you are an artist, and what defines you as an artist is you, the tools you use." And uh, if you switch tools, you will lose followers, and uh, it I won't be your heart. People said that. Uh, yeah, so they, they, they did, and they convinced. Me, they pretty much convinced me and made me f- afraid of uh, trying other tools, because it's in the end, it's what it is. It's tools. Uh, you can draw with coffee. You can draw with markers. You can paint. You can use digital art. It's tools. What matters in the end is the the pictures you've done. And people were like, yes, but you are an artist, you draw with markers, and if you change that, it won't be the same. You know, uh, you will lose your soul. And I was <laughs> like, okay, well then, I uh, I, will, uh, I will have to keep, to mar- uh, I will stick with markers. Uh, markers are great. To make a full illustration with markers, it was taking like, 20 to 30 hours per illustration uh, to do the background, to do the line arts. It was crazy. And of course, there's no control Z. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yes. it was uh, okay. One mistake. It's hard to pic- imagine. 
the picture is done <laughs> and especially the line art and uh, also the shading the colors choice so you it was a lot of you had one ch one try it was not uh, it was not like okay oh no finally in the end the t-shirt would have been better if it was purple no you cannot do that the t-shirt is black it's black <laughs> you cannot change that <laughs> yeah, that's mean. yeah actually sudden death art mode <laughs> yes that that was a hard, hardcore mode and it was enjoyable but the the most tedious part was actually to find a proper paper which was uh well suited for the markers uh the most horrible part was to actually scan the pictures and put them online because the scanner or even taking pictures would never do justice to the original art and it was actually a nightmare to spend hours editing the pictures on photoshop just to get the colors look good again because the oh, scanner would always that kill that sounds so yes. frustrating <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh, God. it's like having to do the art twice. Oh yes, almost. Uh, sometimes you know you had to, to to dust the picture to to take off the the, the tiny dust which were on the scanner uh, to to change the contrast uh, to improve the light uh, to and yeah that that was taking a lot of time and you had already spent like. 18 hours just on the picture itself <laughs> and Jesus. one hour before that to gather the references so yes that was a lot of uh, hidden work just to get the picture to look good and the thing was i as a perfectionist myself i was never very satisfied with the look of the scanned pictures and especially when it was about doing prints you know or to reuse the the heart and also the thing with uh, pro markers what it, it can sound stupid like that but it was killing any kind of spontaneous ideas because yes. you couldn't just you know like doodle something on a any kind of piece of paper with ballpoint paint and then oh yes i have a basic dragon idea which be cool let's color it well i couldn't really do that because uh i would have to redraw the thing on the proper paper i had to do line art of course and because if i was to try to color something which was ballpoint uh pen uh doodled it will all bleed with the alcohol from the markers so you ha you couldn't just do that 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 you couldn't do anything spontaneously and unlike with digital art i mean you can doodle anything you take a crappy picture with the with the phone and up you can actually it's much more easy to to take the basic ideas and to rework them on with the digital art uh absolutely it's much more easy. of course you can always do it traditionally if you want uh, like you can uh redraw it and stuff but it's not uh it's not the same it's not that easy and also the yes with digital art you can it's easier to have uh to design stuff which can be then used again for maybe you know, profile pictures uh 
small prints, banners. It's it's easier to do in a general manner, and also you can achieve uh, more satisfying results. I mean, back in the days when I did my first uh, board game project, I was doing all the illustrations traditionally, and it was also for the that. cards. Yes, and when when I look at the prototype because I kept it, it looks dirty. <laughs> In fact, I have no other word. Uh, of course, I have improved on an artistic level, but the fact the, the 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 drawings were scanned and then put again, printed again, that's that's not as good as the 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 thing the the results I can achieve nowadays with digital art. Yeah, the stuff you did with the marker is certainly impressive. Uh but there is like such a little difference. Like there's there's not much more gained from doing it traditionally if if at all because digitally I mean in my opinion I think it's about the feeling that you convey especially with transformation. Uh and that comes through just as well digitally as it ever did physically. Yeah. And it's it's unfortunate that there were people who were saying that, oh, you know, you would lose followers or, you know, people would say it's not like you're, it's not the same kind of thing when you're switching media, because I feel like that's also kind of yeah. plays into like an overall stigma of like, oh, traditional art, you can hang it up on the fridge or whatever. And therefore, you know, it's somehow superior <laughs> when like that absolutely does not exist. And, you know, Exactly. You know, people are just as thrilled to see your stuff digitally as they were when it was traditionally. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, and uh... I think there's just a sentimentality about physical media that people have. It's just not worth the trade-off. You know, it sounded like it wasn't worth it for you. But now that uh, with all you've accomplished since then, you can take it and show it to those old commenters and prove how wrong they are and laugh at them. <laughs> Yes, yes. you can always print the digital digital art on uh, exactly on a very fancy paper, and it will look good. Right at the moment, I'm doing the prototype myself for the game, and I've bought a nice printer, and it looks good. I mean, the, even sometimes the sketches and the doodles. It's like people ask me if the game is already done. I'm like no, but I. And it's almost it's also homemade. Uh, that's it because the the tools allow me to get a, a good results, and that's all that matters in the end. You use the Absolutely. tools you like, and yeah. I, sometimes, as I was saying, the, the biggest regret is that I didn't switch to digital art. Maybe I I could have you know switch one year or two earlier. Uh, that that would have been great, but of course we cannot change the past. But yes, that's maybe one regret I have is that it took me too long to switch to digital art. I think Kalbara, you specific, you particularly wanted to ask this question, and I'm very curious about it too. And we haven't really touched on it much. Um, but Nigo, you've drawn a lot of twinning TF. Uh, yeah, like I <laughs> other people becoming uh, you as like with you. Uh, I have drawn one piece of twinning TF, but I, I know that you've drawn a lot more. Like, are you? Uh, what What do you find appealing about it? 
in oh, particular, or is it something you do for other people? That's a complicated question. Maybe we need two hours. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the the thing is that uh, if I had to answer this question, basically, what I do enjoy in TS are not only the physical changes, but also how the mind and people would react to the to the TF and also the the surroundings. Like I do like when the TFs feel uh you know I, I don't like when the, the people react in a silly way to the TF and that's yeah. why sometimes when I, I like exploring post TF a lot. And uh Yeah yes among the, the things I do like is of course Yes, you've been turned into a creature. How do you adapt to it? How do you, uh, do you how, how do your friends react to it? Uh, and for, it's the same actually for merged TFs and twin TFs. It's like on another level. Uh, like, how would you react if some suddenly you were to become someone else only physically at first like uh, of course in my case it works because often the people I draw in these situations are friends and I do like uh, thinking I don't know how to describe it precisely but I do like yeah, thinking that physical changes will come first and maybe only maybe depends on the individuals maybe the mind changes would come over time if people let them give uh, give give in to them. Actually, I like uh, yeah, I do enjoy the idea that when you've transformed, <laughs> sometimes uh, you know there's like an internal conflict between these new instincts and the former the former self trying to stay human. Yes, and yes. it's like sometimes you can just let them uh, influence you and your decisions. Uh, you're like, oh no, fuck! I I just gave in to the uh, insanity, or whatever you want to call it, uh, and then you are uh, trying to fight it back again because you're like, oh no, I'm human, I'm human, I want to stay human, and so on. And I do like. Uh, thinking of it as a, as a very subtle change uh, like it could take weeks maybe I don't know it depends on the scenario of course but I do enjoy also the keeping the same idea but for merged people or twin TFs like yes you've been turned into someone else who exists at first you're it's only physical but then maybe uh, you try to get into character at first just for for the game and you end up enjoying it maybe or it's easier than you thought because actually you are being helped by the transformation which continues inside inside of your mind and I love that if you let, if you let it do progress actually you will make it easier to to change yourself uh, completely these kind of things 
and yeah your resistance gives in a little more every time yes this kind of stuff i do enjoy the the idea and i also it's like you know when uh, when i drew maybe a feral dragon tfs i do enjoy the idea that maybe the they completely gave in the tf but sometimes they somehow wake up and like oh but something's wrong you know i i'm not supposed to be a dragon i i thought I did. I was not a dragon before, was I? Something. And they have moments like yeah, that. Yeah. It's not like full change because, as I often say, I do enjoy my change, but I don't like mind loss. If it makes any sense. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. I I can relate a lot to that. Yeah. And that's you. why sometimes uh, I do like I hypnosis and uh, my change but i do like the idea that they are not completely gone like yes they are at the moment they are sleepy they are dizzy they are horny whatever you want but maybe in the morning they wake up and they're like oh wait no something something's not right and uh, you know that's that's the afterglow effect you're like okay at the moment you were horny uh sometimes during the change, you were extremely uh, lost in lust, <laughs> in, a in the full bliss. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. This kind of thing. I think we what all relate to that. Yes, whatever you want. And after the change, once uh, the effect of the magical effect or the potion of the wish has faded out, you're, you wake up and you're like, oh, oh problems incoming. And but that's part of the post TF stuff I do like uh, and do enjoy think, thinking of, and it's the same with twinning TF. Like, uh, how do you deal with someone who looks exactly like you but doesn't act at, like you at first? And do you let them, you know, become you completely over time? Do you trust them to be you? Uh, I do. I do enjoy thinking of these questions. With they don't have a precise answer, of course, because but... it's it's just fun to talk about, yeah, uh, and to like try and think about why it might be interesting at all. Like it could be just something that you never even think about. It's just like, yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, and there's philosophical there's philosophical questions there too. And like you know, if you're turning into someone else, does that inherently mean? have to have that mental change at some point down the line and if not is it really like a a twin tf like obviously i think we all have our own individual preferences but i think it opens a really interesting question as to what makes you you and you know when you change into someone else does that mean inherently that your your brain has to kind of shift in a way yeah that's that's the thing and that's why uh often i say max well my cobalt wouldn't turn just anyone into himself it has to he has to have a sort of uh, link to the person first beforehand uh, it's not like yes he wouldn't just turn in any random stranger into himself because uh i don't know how to describe it but yeah he, he wouldn't trust that person to become himself uh, it has to <laughs> 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 because yes, that's what. Once again, it's because at first the the physical changes come first, so they wouldn't be Max uh, already, and maybe they don't want to be Max. In fact, that uh, maybe at first they would hate it, 
and they would fight it uh, with all their strength. <laughs> and uh, my kobold is often mischievous, but he's not evil. So uh, he wouldn't do things to people against their will. He wouldn't do. I, I, I've always thought that he wouldn't do things to people against their will if he knew that they would legitimately hate it and wouldn't come to like it later. Yes, uh, that's not the spirit of the of the TFs I want to do, in fact. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, that's something I, I pay a lot of attention to in my TFs, and that's also why I kept, I kept my heart a bit cartoonish, in a way. I do enjoy uh, positive TF stuff, uh, and even if sometimes it can look a bit... Uh, complicated for the characters I should add at the end it ends well <laughs> because uh, <laughs> I, I get I, that I don't want to convey a negative thoughts uh, in my heart at all uh, I think that enough things in the world uh, convey negative feelings and thoughts already yeah, ain't that the truth. and I want people to feel good or better after looking at my heart. I don't want uh, even if the heart can be a bit silly sometimes, I want people to feel good uh, after after looking at it. And that's why with the, the cobalt games I'm working on, it's the same. I want it to be positive all the time. Uh, I want it to make people smile <laughs> whatever, even if they are, even if they never have seen a cobalt before. They, they see cute lizards doing silly things and they're like oh that's cute and they smile yeah and that's yeah. what i want <laughs> I, yours I does have that. that storybook style to it that's just appealing and happy in a way like i like that about your work that it's always positive or most of the time anyway yes i i want it to be yes that i want it to be that way uh, that's maybe the most important part of what i want to convey is uh is that positive feelings or uh yes good stuff and that's why even maybe the most uh bonded gtfs i've done like ctf and stuff it's it's not done in a mean way it's like yes there's a way to reverse it even if it's like you know semi-permanent so it might uh it might stay like this for a while but it's never in a harmful way or uh extremely definitive uh, yeah. death-like way. That, that's not what uh, I've come... I didn't become a TF artist I'm, for this kind of stuff. I'm the same way. Yeah, like, I, I always do these things with the thought in mind that they will actually come to start enjoying it at some point through the process. Like, it'll become a positive thing for them. Yeah, or, or they'll be able to change kind of the back. difference maker. At some yeah, point. yeah. But of course, sometimes I do like treating TFs the real way. Like, okay, it can be scary, it can be uh, terrifying. It could be in a world where TF is not understood and it's not something normal, so people would react towards it in a bad way. But I do like keeping it still uh, hopeful, maybe, or maybe it's scary at first. But then you get used to it, and you learn how to deal with it, uh, or at least in a at, always in a positive manner, at least a bit. Maybe that's a, that's somehow uh, no, 
So that's uh, sort of the, the backstory of my kobold at first, because he was turned into a kobold uh, after magical wine, after drinking magical wine, and he was rejected by his former friends and family. So he had to build himself again. But yes, that that's a part <laughs> of the TF world I do like exploring. It's it's this whole uh, post TF uh, dealing with the new situation thing, and not only you but also the others. That's uh, of course how they how they see you socially, how, how, you know, how they view you their, in their mental image. It's always such a fascinating yeah, thing. Yes, so all the it can it can be viewed. Uh, under many many aspects, and that's what I I enjoy. Of course, I have not posted a lot of them because it takes a lot of time to to draw these kind of things, and I I don't have the resource yeah. on the time to the to do a full comic about the situation. But that's something I do enjoy. I'm curious actually to ask about something you kind of mentioned in kind of talking about the positive stuff. Um, I've noticed uh, a little more recently you've done um, some really great cock TFs, and I was curious as to um, whether that was kind of a new interest in what got you into them, because it seemed, from what I recall, I think that's a, more of a newer addition to your roster, and you do quite a good job with them. Actually, I have been drawing these for since maybe my first one was back in 2014. Oh, but okay. I never posted them. <laughs> oh, okay. I actually, I, I you actually were doing have, it before it was cool. <laughs> I, I actually have drawn uh, several Trulian Cock TFs, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't believe I ever posted them. Because I was shy back in the days, and I was always... I understand. A, I was a bit, always a bit afraid of turning people off, because uh, when you look for these kind of things, on AFA, it's often quite uh, well. It can be gross, of course, and also it can be a bit negative. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. that was not the thing I was looking at, and that's not that's not the things I'm interested in myself. And I was like, yes, but if I start posting this kind of stuff on my AFA, maybe it will turn people uh, off, and maybe people yeah. will. Also, maybe people will only ask me these kind of things, and in ways that I don't enjoy them anymore. Uh, because sometimes, you know, it's the, always the problem when you post new things, or people think you are interested in this kind of scenarios. Yes, and they they start pushing your limits uh, further and further, and because it's like yes, they're testing your limits. And I'm like, yes, I do enjoy uh, this theme, but in my very own way. <laughs> so, mm. I actually relate very hard to that. Um, I was just talking to Altered and I uh, to Altered recently about this. Uh, just to relate to you, in 2011, I hadn't drawn any TFR, and I really wanted to draw like a ton. I was inspired by your kind of art, you know. But I was afraid to do it because I was afraid that everyone came to see me for the normal art, and I wondered what my friends would think. But you know how it goes. You eventually learn that what you like is okay. Yes, at some point, in fact, well, it's something you learn over time. It takes a lot of time, but uh, I had to learn it 
also myself, it's like at some point you follow someone and they don't always post stuff that is relevant to your interests. Well, you just don't click on it, that's it. Uh, mm. You know that well, yeah. sometimes it happens that some artists will completely shift to another kind of stuff. And I did that because I've pretty much stopped doing Mass Effect stuff after all. Uh, because it's been a while, people were not asking me commissions for them anymore, and uh, the games are old now, and Mass Effect Andromeda was not that great, so it didn't spark. The... What do you mean? <laughs> the... uh, 10 out of 10. Well, I will just say it didn't manage to get me hooked again uh, into yeah. doing more Mass yeah. Effect stuff. So, yes, I naturally. That's polite. Moved to I'm very polite cobalt. <laughs> and uh, yes, I naturally moved to towards stuff which was keeping me inspired, which are TFs and cobalts, and uh, and fantasy heart in general. That I always was more uh, into fantasy anyway, and Mass Effect was really the the exception to the rule, uh, which made me like SF. Uh, otherwise. I'm always into fantasy. And, but yes, uh, when I see some things I don't really uh, like or if I'm not really interested in, I just don't click on it. And that's it. I move on. There's so, many, there's so much content online today. It's like we, we have a never-ending uh, influx of new content, not even just TF, everything. So... Uh, why, why waste uh, those precious seconds of your life to click on stuff you don't like at all, or you're not interested? Maybe you can. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it can. Why know, waste? Why waste your life clicking on stuff that you hate and then commenting but, really long comments about why you hate it? Of course, it's also short. <laughs> if you hate it, well, better move along. Of course, sometimes it can be good to click on stuff and see it and then you take time to digest it and like okay i i'm not so uh, angry about it as i thought because uh, it's always good also to you know to explore things they expand uh to, it's like food you know sometimes you don't like uh i don't know you don't i don't like cheese but sometimes i try again say this this cheese is, is a bit milled so it's okay i can have it uh, I'm not so against that that one, blah blah blah. Uh, it's good to explore things because if you stick always to the same stuff, you just I wouldn't say marginalize yourself, but uh, it's good to, to it's good to get a fresh take sometimes. Yeah. Because of course, we we grow up. Your interest can can change over the years. It's it's normal. It's like it's okay. I mean. Uh, before I was like, I wouldn't say I was hostile to MTFTFs, but I was not interested in them at all, and especially like to draw them, I was like, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and nowadays, I'm much, I've I've got to warm up to these a lot because well, I have also improved with the feminine bodies, so it helps, but. Uh, if you if you ask me to draw MTFTF, I won't be like, yeah. uh, I can't do it, and I don't mind it so much as before. Of course, I 
I have yet to draw myself in such a situation because it's not something I'm extremely fond of. Uh, but I'm I'm not hostile to it at all, and I've I've learned to warm up to it. I still have yeah, to you, warm up you're... to cows. Yeah, it, it's good to you know I I definitely encourage people to also continue to like expand their boundaries and like yeah if you, if there's something you don't want, like if you, there's something you know that you hate it's better to just you know log off go outside touch grass but you know I do think like you said it's good to also like you know keep you know challenging yourself sometimes in terms of like looking at the things that like looking at the content you consume because i mean i you know speaking from personal experience there's lots of things that i never thought i would be into that i'm now into because i gave things chances and didn't like you know recoil right away and instead kind of questioned why i might have a reaction to something um but yeah i think the, the, we we would all be better off if the people who hate certain things and just want to be nasty didn't leave mean comments on twitter.com so definitely echo that oh yes but i i wouldn't say that twitter is relevant for the general happiness of the world the, <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> yeah the, the thing is that the thing is that sometimes people just spend way too much energy being angry yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yes. Sometimes it's just like move on. Yeah, just there's things to be angry change. about, but uh, TF specific TF content generally isn't it? You know. <laughs> well, the there's thing- another. Yeah. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, there's another thing about. Uh, this is for people who are artists and creators in particular. Uh, if you open yourself up to being accepting of things that you might not otherwise you could find that you'll be inspired and motivated more often and you might not burn out as much because you're consuming a more varied uh gamut of of content uh if that makes any sense like if you if you keep your head in the same space constantly then you will uh you will get mind blanks and burnout and lose motivation a lot more often than if you uh, keep yourself open to new stuff. Yeah, like I like uh, most I most of the stuff I make is like commission comics and stuff, and uh, I don't like it. I don't like everything I draw. I, in fact, I have to draw a lot of stuff that I hate. But uh, I like to. Th- I, I want to be a professional, and I want to be able to draw things, even if I don't like them. You know, I'd like to have a varied skill set and be able to say yes more often than no. You know. Uh, I still have my limits myself. Uh, <laughs> oh, me, me too, me too. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's totally fine. But, uh, yeah. Well, I know if I can speak about it, uh, sometimes I have people who contact me to ask for commissions, uh, and it's, like, so far away from anything I've ever done or anything I will ever do. Uh, I, right. I actually wonder if they looked at my gallery before contacting me <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> yeah uh, and sometimes also and it's something that sometimes will just turn me off about the idea of accepting the commission it's like people uh you know in my commission uh info i have like uh yes maybe no uh the what i <laughs> do what i won't do and sometimes people will just dive on I have only a few items in the no, uh, no list, and sometimes people will dive in these 
and try to just sneak around the words like oh yes but would you draw like this would you draw that and i'm like no it's no <laughs> i'm not just gonna accept that uh and yes uh but my idea is special no 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 uh the <laughs> the maybe <laughs> The the maybe uh, list is is here for that. It means it I'm is up for this oh, for discussion. But the yes. no list is like no, I'm not interested in in doing that. I don't want people to know me for this kind of content. In fact, that's that's I, the thing. I have had experiences sometimes where it feels like they look specifically at my no list and say. That's what I want you to draw. <laughs> and it's yes. like, I will draw anything else but what you're asking me to draw. I Yeah, I think that, that there actually might be, like, an interest or, dare I say, even a fetish in that sort of, of, like, seeing certain artists draw the things that they're not used to or uncomfortable with. I don't want I don't want my artist self to be part of the fetish of someone's fetish art. That makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> It's too late. <laughs> oh no. To sum up the the conversation I about CTF and stuff, I did choose to to post them eventually because I was like, yes, if if in the end some people enjoy them, then why not? And uh, to me it's also one thing. The art is meant to be shared in the end. The it's it's one thing. At some point, sometimes I realize I have done some uh, silly TFs which are on my hard drive, and that maybe two people have seen <laughs> because I've done them Ooh. for for a birthday picture uh, because I was feeling like extra silly that day. And yes, only two people have seen them because I've sent them to to them and maybe one other friend who might like them. And sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I should upload them because. But then there's one problem. It's like I should then write a long paragraph because maybe just the picture out of context is too silly for the general audience. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I should write something. And then I don't do it because it would just take a while. <laughs> like the other day, it was maybe sort of uh, inanimate TF. Uh, I don't know if I will ever upload it, but maybe one day. <laughs> I don't know. So I, I think now is probably a good time to go to audience questions because there are some interesting ones. And you specifically asked not to be shown them beforehand. So I'm very interested to see how you'll react. Okay. <laughs> I will start with the first one, and I'm going to do the one from Dracord. Uh, when you enjoy, when you, like, look at a piece of transformation art, like, what is the, the, like, base minimum criteria that it has to fulfill for you to be able to enjoy it? I would say, uh, the, maybe the, actually, the basic criteria wouldn't be anatomy or art quality well of course there's a minimum for that but it would be the how genuine the reaction of the people do. Uh, i mean the 
Yes, I think that's it. Because the the the, the easiest way for me to be uh, turned off by a TF uh, would be that if the reactions of the characters are too silly or not believable enough for me, and it, you know, it's the suspicion of disbelief. Uh, mm, yeah. Sometimes, if the dialogues, in fact, it's a. That's why it's, when I do had di- dialogues myself in TF, it can take me like two hours just to find the 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 ten words I will have. Oh man! <laughs> because I want them to be spot on, and I don't want them to be silly and like oh no, it's exposure time, you know, like oh yes, it's one single TF, but. It's like you have a full paragraph of exposure, and <laughs> no, it doesn't work. And for me, it's maybe the most sensitive part of the the whole deal. It's like yes, if the is the TF is silly, is too silly, it will turn me off. Like it has to, the plot has to to work for me. And yeah. if it breaks my suspicion of disbelief, uh, it's it's done for. Me. That's that's the thing. Yeah, so I actually have an... I guess this is kind of a weird answer, but for me, the minimum criteria is how the facial expressions are depicted, but in particular, basically how the artist's style renders the face. I can't really, like, articulate best in words on the spot what it is about some things that throw me off, but if someone's style for the face isn't something I don't really connect with, I'm immediately kind of turned off. It's like that one specific thing, like I can get into all different sorts of styles for the rest of like the body, so to speak. But if the face looks a certain way that feels off to me, I just can't get into it. Um, I can't really like say what criteria that is. It's just to me, if, if, if the face looks off, I can't get into it. Um, but other than that, I mean, that's really the, the base minimum and everything else i'm pretty open to so if the face looks good to me i can get into pretty much anything i think i'm i'm kind of similar but i'm for like the whole body Mm. i i i i prefer transformations where the anatomy looks uh solid and correct i will not not like solid like just realistic and and appealing to me personally um, if, if the anatomy is like flat or, uh, like it's, it's, it's posed in a way that's kind of the perspective doesn't make any sense, uh, then I, I can't, I don't find myself enjoying it as much. And that's kind of the more technical answer. I guess the more, the more emotional answer is like, I want the character to be experiencing it, uh, and be be attentive to the transformation like i i don't like transformations where they like don't even know that it's happening similarly i think i'd have to have a sense of believability to it and identity is a strong thing um it doesn't have to be the identity of the artist but more so just that the character undergoing the tf has a sense of identity like there's a relatability you know it's not alien um yeah that and it has to be at least minimally uh aesthetically pleasing like 
there's some art styles I just don't like, and I'm not trying to be mean to the artist when I feel that way. It's just it doesn't drive with me. So it has to be some minimum level of, like, good-looking, I guess, to be appealing to me. Uh, well, I find, uh, I can enjoy even, like, very low-quality art if there's, like, feeling in it. And it's kind of hard to explain, but, like, like, there's a big difference between just, like, a flat, lifeless drawing and a drawing where, like, you can feel the motion in it or, like, something building, like, the pose, yes. the pose is... The pose and just the way the character is like bunched up or moving in some way, just like some way I can like feel the energy from it, you know. And uh, I guess I've exactly I've read a lot of like non TF comics, like as a hobby. Like I've just read like so many comics that just all like like uh just like the ba- just the basic like feeling and energy and something like uh something for me to latch on to. Like I can like pretend that I'm feeling it, you know. Uh, a lot of really amateur TF art will just be very flat and lifeless, like it's not moving. Like, like, uh, yeah, I, I don't get anything out of looking at it, you know. Uh, the next question is, and I'm glad that we have a uh, a kobold guest for this one. Uh, yeah. but everyone can answer this, of course. Uh, from Ulysses Duckler. Again, fantastic name. Uh, <laughs> what do you think would be the best and worst parts of being cold-blooded uh, after becoming a lizard? And how do you think it would change your relationship to temperature in daily life? Uh, I guess we could, let's go the opposite direction and start with Kobara. Was yeah no yeah Zangi I mean I mean Zangi <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh well like I'm very temperature minded as a human like like I can never seem to get cold enough like like and but but when I sometimes when I do though I'm suddenly like <laughs> too cold you know and like I feel the the whole reptilian cold blooded thing would make me like even more conscious about it. it would probably just be like all I'd ever think about. I imagine that it would change a lot of daily habits and I'd have to perform certain actions throughout the day that I wouldn't as a human. So especially depending on the weather outside, if it's cold out, I'd have to spend a lot more trips to go inside and warm up or that sort of thing. And likewise, if it's really hot outside, you'd want to bask. Uh, You know, when you think about animals and how they deal with temperature you'd have to do a lot more of those same things uh so you'd have to factor that into daily life a lot more i think that's one of the more fascinating things about tf though is like you said be in post tf what kind of considerations you'd have to make in how your life would change uh my relationship would actually get better with temperature i think i i live in a very hot country uh, and even the winters aren't that cold. Like, there's still lizards crawling around outside during winter and sitting on rocks and stuff. So I, I think I'd just be better, honestly. I wouldn't have to ever turn the air conditioner on ever again. Uh, it would just be nicer. Uh, so okay. I would be more right. suited to the environment that I live in, honestly. It's funny. So, like, I feel like I've, I this sometimes gets around, but I do have a dragon sona, and 
you know, I've never actually thought about this question before. I actually think I would have to move because I don't think I could survive a Canada winter as a cold-blooded dragon. I think it would be a really bad time. And I'm a person who usually really likes the cold. Like, winter and fall are, like, my favorite seasons, and I love it when it's, like, you know, below zero and, and shit like that. And I would have to do, like, a complete 180. So, like, that would actually be, like, a really major change in my life that I hadn't even really considered before this question was asked. So I'm really glad it was asked. Um, but, yeah, I would probably have to move. I don't think I could survive a Canadian winter as a cold-blooded lizard. <laughs> It gets pretty cold up here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can imagine we were having a conversation before this where, I mean, I talked about how I was, I feel like I get shivering cold at like 20 degrees Celsius. Yeah. So. Meanwhile, I'm out here uh, out there with shorts yeah. and sandals. Meanwhile, I'm out here with yeah. negative like 17 and I'm like, yeah, this is great temperatures. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nigo, how about you? Well, actually, uh, yeah, I thought about the question earlier, uh, but in fact, in my mind, I always considered ju- the fact I chose a cobalt over a lizard sauna was actually that I imagined that dragons would be warm-blooded. In fact, um, same, but, yeah, uh, and so so would be the cobalts compared to lizards. In fact. Uh, I imag- I always imagined that uh, that was the difference. Well, at least in in the universe I created, that that was the main difference because uh, between the the dragons and kobolds and the other lizards. So, you know, maybe that is is more true. I didn't even think about that. Well, yeah, I think I, I've always are, considered them that. Yeah, they are the. Of course, they are. Uh, mythological creatures, so we can imagine well, anything yeah. we want. Yeah, can... But that's how I, I imagined it. And in fact, I, I always imagine, you know, if you have seen real-life lizards, they are they are lazy because, of course, they are cold-blooded and they are they are active just when they need to be. And uh, other than that, they can be uh, well. They will hide a lot. They will bask in the sun. But, I I enjoy that. I enjoy thinking that if dragons are big and quite lazy and sleeping a lot of time, the kobolds are hyperactive lizards. You know, they are, they are always running everywhere, and uh, mm-hmm. they have a lot of energy mm-hmm. to spend. They are very very hyperactive. Uh, that would tire co- that that would tire the co- the dragons. Uh, sorry, uh, and I imagine. It was something like sometimes the kobolds would get out of the ca- the cavern to bask <laughs> uh, because they they do enjoy it. And I know that in the classic Dungeon Dragon uh, lore books, the kobolds like don't like the sunlight. Uh, oh, that like they have bad bad eyesight in the light. Of yeah, the you're sun, right. Something like I, that. I forgot about that. Uh, I didn't go with that myself. I I do enjoy the idea that kobolds. Uh, use uh, tiny you know light sources in the cavern to to see like they use you know like uh, uh, luminescent mushrooms and stuff to to make the cavern glow <laughs> uh, <laughs> i i do enjoy thinking of that but 
that's how I like my kobold. As for the the change, I have thought about the whole dealing with uh, the body temperature as post TF content indeed, and I probably would be a bit sad because I tend to be quite active. <laughs> so if you like, you start running low and you need to to save up the energy. I don't know exactly how it works. I don't yeah, I would hate that. <laughs> But it would probably makes me uh, very very uncomfy at the first. I would have to really learn how to deal with it. I do enjoy thinking of kobolds are really very silly and running everywhere lizards and yep 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 everywhere. That's uh, <laughs> that's how I do imagine them. And they're like yes, they are not kids because they are adults, but they tend to be very energetic. <laughs> Full of Absolutely. full of energy, <laughs> and that's why sometimes the that's something I use in my game. Uh, it's like yes, at some point they meet an orc and they run uh, all all around the orc, and the orc is hungry, and at some point it just bumps one of the kobold on the head because he like stop. Moving. <laughs> 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 okay, uh, now this one makes me sad, but it's because I haven't. Uh, have you, have any of you guys, have any of us had any dreams where we transformed? And if so, what's it like? And are there any tips for anyone else to have similar dreams? This is from Necronomicon. Mm. Now, I will go first because I have never had any and I have no tips. I'm so sorry. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, even though I have tried, I have not. Um, so I think Kobara should go second, mm. uh, uh, oh. And you'll see why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an expert or anything, God. <laughs> but all right, I'm kidding anyway. Um, well, man, just a lot of weed. <laughs> um, I, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm not being serious. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. Well, there is here. It's illegal here. I have had TF dreams. I've used to have a ton of them when I was a lot younger. Uh, like ages one to eight, I guess I wouldn't say a ton, but very vivid dreams and uh, would often experience it. Then later as life went on, like my teenage years, I was extremely stressed. And for my early adult years, I was also extremely stressed. So I didn't dream at all during that period. And I got really sad about that, actually. I missed my TF dreams. But lately, I've had them come back at least a little bit. Um, what They're not often, though. They're like maybe once every two years. They're that rare. Mm -hmm. But it's a stark contrast to what it was when I was a kid, you know? Um, they are not... What are they like? I know as like a TFN, you'd want to hear every detail, yada, yada. But in terms of like what the sensation is like, um, it's this is going to be a dumb answer, but it's whatever you think it would be. You know? Like whatever yeah. you think it would feel like, that's what it will feel like in a dream. Yeah, because um, it's literally what you think. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. If you want TF and you think it would feel good, then you're in luck. Yeah, so um, I have had a number of TF dreams. Um, 
I would say, like, similar to you, Kobara, I definitely had quite a few when I was a kid. They're less frequent now. Um, but I would say, actually, I probably have them with a little more regularity than, than what you were saying, Kobara. I, I probably have one, like, every two to three months, I would say, is probably the, like, um, tempo of when I get them. Um, it's funny. I think, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. Um, I would say that, you know, one of the things that I find helps in terms of like upping the odds, because at the end of the day, this is literally just like pulling the dice. Um, but one of the things that has always really helped me like kind of increase my chances is trying to sleep for a bit longer, because usually you dream when you're in REM sleep and you have more frequent yeah. bouts of REM sleep the longer you sleep. So um, usually when I have had these dreams, I, I'm, a, I'm a, the type of person who usually tries to get eight hours of sleep a night. I know, ridiculous. But um, if, you, if I like try to get eight, eight and a half, or even nine, I actually really increase my odds of having a dream. And you're also more likely to remember a dream if you wake up right after it or during it. So... Um, you know, both of those things kind of combine to increase the odds. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of what it feels like, I mean, gosh, off the top of my head, like I've had a RTF dream, uh, an upside down dream, and like a, a gender change with like a, a lion change in the past little while. And those dreams really stuck with me because of how vivid the feelings were in terms of feeling the changes and like believing they were real because again it's it's in a dream um so like like Colbar said i mean it is basically exactly how you would think it would feel um and yeah i mean i could get way more detail but i i think that would detract from the length of the podcast so uh, yeah. i'll just say it's <laughs> basically what you on... think it will feel yeah sure go ahead just a very small comment because you made me think of something um if you are like into dreams or anything and you have a dream and it doesn't feel like a hundred percent clear, like it's a little fuzzy, your both your visual details and maybe the tactile ones, that's normal. Uh, that's nothing one needs to worry about, you know? No dreams are a hundred percent perfect. Um, it can get pretty close, but I, I just I mean... don't get don't get discouraged, you know? Yeah, don't be discouraged. They can feel almost 100% though, in my opinion, but I'm biased. I can't boast having too many TF dreams. I've only had a small handful over the years. But, uh, my my dreams tend to be, like, very mundane. Uh, just, uh, thing, only things that can happen in real life, sadly. But, uh, the few times I've had, like, fantastical things happen, I, uh, my perspective is switched from it like being me to just I'm like watching a movie of myself or I'm playing a video game that has me in it suddenly and I'm looking at myself from a third person perspective and for some reason that gives my brain like permission to have like stranger things happen because it's not reality anymore or something like that. I had like one dream like that where I was like in an video game arena or something and i touched like a power up and it like turned me into like an alien and i didn't necessarily feel it but i could like watch it happen to myself and that was like the one like really intense recent tf dream i had but uh usually it's just like a hand or a, just a very very brief moment where it happens and then i like forgot about it 
but uh yeah if you're interested in this sort of thing like there are like methods and training you can do to try to achieve like a lucid dreaming state like i've read about it a few times but i, I don't have the willpower to keep up with it but like having a dream journal and like sleeping in specific ways like what Zaleppo mentioned if like apparently if you're dedicated and you do it a lot you can kind of trick your brain into being able to achieve that thing more often but uh it hasn't happened to me very much so i can't say a whole lot so that's all i got oh well yeah i will that will be quickly answered because i never had any kind of actually the tf dream or uh oh, lucid dreaming my kindred uh <laughs> but in fact uh i did have though a few dreams where maybe you know i was already something else but it was not the tf itself uh yeah i i've had something uh, like that too i do tend though to have quite stupid dreams like they don't make any sense from start to finish and uh, i would i wouldn't give them much credit because some yes often it's completely nonsensical from start to finish it's like nothing yeah. nothing works but and sometimes it's like you know it plays on my fomo uh it's like you know this kind of extremely happy dreams where everyone has tf'd except you and you're like, yeah, thank you, Brain, mm-hmm. for giving me such Thanks. nice dreams. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks for giving that's... me dreams where I have to like do things that I already have to do in real life. Yeah, that's nice. But yes, that's that's the worst. That's almost a nightmare, of course, for a TF uh, appreciator. Yes. It's like, yes, everyone has TF'd. Everyone can TF, but you don't. You cannot. Yeah. You're like, okay, thank you. I have similar things where like i'm trying to learn tf in the dream and someone's trying to teach me almost and everyone around me has been able to learn how to do it but i'm like struggling to flex the right muscle or something and it just won't happen and uh yeah but uh i totally feel that (laughs) but otherwise uh however sorry uh i am able to daydream easily that's uh well, I can fantasize and project and daydream easily about how I feel or imagine things to be. So I would say it makes up for the lack of dreams. <laughs> uh, and I, I, uh, it's like, you know, in the morning or in the evening, just before falling asleep, it's the, it's the easiest moment to just close the eyes and daydream about about the TF scenarios and stuff like that. Well, at least for me, it's the best moment. I tried mm-hmm. back in the days, but it was many years ago. I, maybe I was not serious enough. Or maybe it just wouldn't work on me. But I I had tried stuff like, you know, practicing for lucid dreaming and hypnosis, but that never worked on me, at least. Uh, I was not sensitive to that in the slightest way. I used to actually be a it was called a dream guide on a website back in the day called uh, Dream Affinity. Yeah, and you literally said before, I'm not an expert on dreams. Coming up with the dream guide. <laughs> it, it's, it's hard for me to call myself an expert on dreams because if I was, I feel like I'd be having lucid dreams like every night. <laughs> but I know a lot about 
lucid dreaming and how to induce it. I could like teach a person because I've done it before many, many times. But yeah, there's there are a set of instructions and things you can do to induce this kind of thing. Different people will have different results, but yeah. One more question. And this, everyone answer it in like a couple of words or less. Uh, and this is a really quick question so that we can finish up because this is long. Um, where would you prefer to TF? Like where? Um, I, I know the, the question specifies room and, and forest and cave and stuff, but like just where would you prefer to TF? Zangi go first. Oh yeah, and Mike, Mike the Wolfman asked the question. I apologize. TF for me is like a really private and like passionate thing, and I'm probably kind of cowardly or shy about it. You know, I'd I'd want to I'd want to just be somewhere private where I could like exam it, like examine myself after and just really take it in and appreciate it without like a public like someone in the public like distracting me or making me have a panic attack. You know. Yes, <laughs> uh, that's kind of a boring answer, but it's the truth. I just like want it like in my bedroom and make sure no one can disturb me. Me, I want it by myself, uh, maybe with my significant other. That's it. As nowhere else. That I don't want it anywhere, or maybe in like a like a really really secluded like Scottish Highland. Uh, like no one else is there for miles. Like kind of open grassy area. I wouldn't mind that either. I would want to spend it in direct, close contact and, like, trust with a loved one or a really, really close friend. I find it would be really interesting to be with someone who's completely into the TF with you and wants to explore it and wants to see you or whoever's TFing, I should say, into what they're TFing into. and. I find that kind of intimacy really is, uh, I don't know, desirable in a TF. If I was about TF, actually, I would, of course, do it mostly in private, uh, my room. But I think if I was able to shapeshift, I would rent a warehouse, a large one, mm. where I can actually turn into whatever I want without causing damage. <laughs> No. <laughs> that's fair and uh, yes that's what that's what I would do because of course it's always fun to draw the destruction but in real life you're like oh, oh. <laughs> that would cost a lot so yes I would I would probably have a warehouse with a lot of uh, stuff uh, a large large room so I can just be whatever I want and nobody can come in no nasty surprises so I'd probably want to get TF behind a waffle house while I'm getting fucked by 14 werewolves. No, um, I would say I probably would want <laughs> to um, TF somewhere that was thematic for the changes. Um, like, for example, um, like, you know, in a cave somewhere for like a dragon TF or what have you. I really like the idea of like, um, you know, if you're undergoing like an inanimate TF, like a mannequin TF, maybe you get TF'd in the store or something. Um, I really like the setting to kind of match up with the changes. So like, you know, barnyard TF changes on farms, etc. Um, so yeah, I usually would, I, th I think I would actually prefer to do it in like the situation and location that made the most sense. 
Um, I probably would want it to not have other people around, though. So maybe that does make it somewhat private in some senses. But um, I feel like I'm more open to like full-on public TF. Well, thank you for all of those audience questions again. Uh, I have one more question for Nigo. Uh, and this is just, just for you. Um, if you could, if you like had to shapeshift into one thing and stay like that for the rest of your life, then what would you choose? Go bold. Yeah. Yeah, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Surprising. I don't know. I would, I, I have thought, I have thought about the question powerfully and, uh, Yes, because kobold is like it's a sapient lizard, so yeah, and so I and still have thumbs, still have fingers, so can still do pretty much everything you want. Of course, you're smaller, you're maybe more vulnerable, but you have deadly claws still, and you're agile. So yeah, I thought about it. It's uh, I would I would become kobold. Fair enough too. And then you can become. Then you can have a dragon. <laughs> yes, I can have dragon. The the thing yes. with being a big dragon is that at some point, uh, being bigger can just lead to trouble. I personally also think it's just fun to be smaller in general. Smaller means that your your home is much bigger. Yes. You can, no, you don't have to pay as much rent you, for a bigger house. You can buy a jacuzzi and it's a swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an image that's going to stick in my head. <laughs> so do you have any questions for any of us, Nigo? Oh, I should have thought about that beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, okay question, right, no, I have one question. Okay. Well, actually two. Would you become kobolds? Because I know yes. not everyone would want to become kobold. I actually Absolutely. play a kobold in a D&D campaign that may or may not have been so inspired by some of your kobold stuff, so I can firmly say yes. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I would, I would want to be a dragon maybe first, but if I, like, given the option, yeah, I mean, or uh, given the opportunity, then yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I would love to be a kobold. Yes, because you need to be kobolds <laughs> to take part in the kobold adventures. Exactly. Right. Well, then thank you very much, Nigo, for coming on the podcast. I'm very, very happy that you did. Yeah. I, I loved talking to you. Where can people find you online? Oh, basically, uh, I do have two websites. Mostly it's, uh, I have my AFA account where I post also the Not Safe for Work content. And I have my Twitter account, but this one I keep it exclusively safe for work. And I also post the content for my game, mostly on the Twitter account. For uh, AFA, I try to focus it more on the TF stuff and on Twitter stuff. Uh, yeah, and that's just you type in your name on both of those. Yes, Nico. And okay, I... yes. Thank yeah, you for that's... pronouncing it, by the way, because I wanted you to at least pronounce your name one time <laughs> in this podcast. So thank uh, you. But actually, you pronounce it the way you want. Basically, in very short. At first, yes, we created. I created this nickname with friends. Uh, I will give you the short story because it's a long one. But 
we created these <laughs> names based on French on French words, and but wrote in a exotic manner, so people from the U.S. would never be able to pronounce them. <laughs> that was the goal. In fact, that 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 was absolutely the goal. In fact, that was fun because uh, when we were playing online before in team, we all had names like that, short French names, short way French words in EO, but all re- written the same way with the with the Y, the H, uh, the A U L T like that. And so yeah. when people would stumble <laughs> upon us, they were like, what the fuck? How do we pronounce these short words? <laughs> and uh, they were like, I gold, uh, whatever. And uh, that was fun. That I, always was said, fun. I always said Nigalt back in the day until yes. I was corrected. That was Yeah, like, I, I always close. said Nigalt. Yes, yeah. because that's, that's the English way to say it. But in fact, it, yeah. there's one thing you know in French, in fact, it's that most of the letters, you don't pronounce them. Yeah, that's true. We have a lot of silent letters. Uh, extremely silent <laughs> letters. Just, you don't <laughs> extremely silent. Extremely silent. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and uh, yes, that's why in Migo, in fact, you could write it like uh, in four, four letters would be enough. Uh, but no, we added like a lot of silent letters just because that's how it is <laughs> and uh, the more letters you have I the cooler do, you are but I, yeah. it's true I, I do like yeah. that uh, you can pronounce it the way you want to, that I don't yeah. mind well I think everyone's a bit tired um, but I loved this conversation yeah. Thank and you. I will just say I hope that the next yeah. Mass Effect game reignites your love for it because I do miss your Mass Effect drawings so hopefully they'll come back at some point honestly I'm not looking and I'm not building up any expectation so at least uh, neither am I yeah. that's exactly right definitely better to have no expectations I do agree yes but uh, I'm always down I think to draw more trillions I just Wish more people were asking asking me to draw them. I'm asking. I will ask all the I'm time. I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for watching episode ten of the TF Tuesday podcast. We are now the we are tied uh, second with the longest uh, TF podcast ever made, and we will continue to grow and become the most powerful t- transformation podcast in the world. Excellent. So thank you. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> Later. Bye. 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 Bye.